0: Welcome to season two of The Bean Pod, a podcast about decentralized finance and the Beanstalk Protocol. I'm your host, Rex. Before we get started, we'd like to again remind everyone that we here at the podcast are super bullish about Beanstalk Protocol and other DeFi projects. But as we've seen time and time again, this is still a risky space. So, with that in mind, always do your own research before investing in a project, including anything covered here in the podcast, and never, ever invest funds that you can't afford to lose. And with that, on with the show. This first episode of Season 2 of the podcast is being recorded on November 11th, 2022, Usually, we avoid naming specific recording dates because it takes away from the timelessness of podcast episodes, but this date is important because, as I speak, FTX, one of the largest and best-known crypto exchanges, is falling apart. Though we're still learning details, it appears that FTX's leadership used funds that were meant to provide liquidity to users to instead invest in risky projects for personal gain. The liquidity crunch was revealed earlier this week and, since then, withdrawals have been halted, user panic has ensued, and Contagion has begun to reach out to other projects and protocols that used FTX's safehouse for their assets. The company's once revered leadership is now in tatters, and the whole situation is turning into a very public disaster. While we may do an episode about the FTX debacle in the future – For now, we don't see any value in adding our commentary to the mix. There are plenty of voices weighing in already, and frankly, we at the podcast don't feel a need to give spotlight to greedy and deceptive individuals. We do, however, want to take a moment to extend our sympathies to anyone who lost funds they invested in FTX. We hope that your loss isn't overwhelming and that you can find solace in people and places beyond the confines of a digital screen. Now to pivot away and hopefully provide a reprieve from current events, we have what I believe is our first NFT project developer ever on the podcast. Perchy, an artist whose work has become closely associated with the bankless DAO, has recently sold NFTs of his work called Goblin Town, the newest item in his location series. Much like Perchy's other locations, Goblin Town is something of a crypto project seek and find. And if one looks closely enough, they'll see a familiar barn, silo, and bean logo, though I won't give away exactly where. Perchy is kind enough to join us in the studio today. And frankly, I couldn't be more excited. Perchy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me uh, on the podcast. And I'm very excited to be here. And yeah, happy to, to, to talk about NFTs with you. Um
0: this could be fun. So how about how about you just you just start us off? Tell us a little bit about, about yourself and your background and how you got into the NFT space.
1: Yeah. Um that's a great question. I you know, I've I've told the story a couple of times and it's hard to I think I started at different places each time I tell it because I it's really kind of um could say like it starts in different places. Like I got into crypto long before I got into uh, you know, DAOs and NFTs and, and kind of what I'm doing now, uh, and making artwork, uh, full time, which is what I do now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, uh, I, I was a teacher for a long time, uh, international teacher, um, traveled to, uh, different countries like South Korea and, uh, Myanmar and, and taught there. Uh, just sort of watching crypto, uh, investing in it here and there and, and kind of just following the stories. And, you know, it's got these grand narratives, like as, you know, we're all like in the middle of one right now uh, where, you know, you've got heroes and villains and and so much drama. Uh, and. Yeah, so when I when DAOs started becoming a more popular idea, more popular thing, I, I got uh, the bankless Dao airdrop, uh, and that was sort of my first airdrop and my first entry into what is possible with DAOs. And uh, so I was, yeah, there from day one in the Bankless DAO, and, and kind of um, just figuring out what's uh, you know we're all figuring out what we're what we're doing there, how, what, what's going to happen next, and um, I just started noticing that like there's all these great like inside things that are happening inside jokes and, and kind of this all, all this great stuff that's happening, and I could capture that. And I, I started drawing comics uh, to capture, like, these moments that were happening inside of the DAO and just kind of sharing them internally. And uh, people, I got a lot of po- positive feedback from that, and it was very encouraging. And also with, with DAOs and with crypto, you send people little tips. Uh, so I was getting... Uh, some money from making these, these comics. And that was just really encouraging uh, and exciting. And um, I think it was around that time when I decided my, my teaching contract was ending and I'd already been considering taking like a a year off to kind of explore new things. And I was like, okay, this next year is just going to be about DAOs and making comics and, and seeing where that takes me. Um, And so that's, that's what I decided to do. Uh, and shortly after that is when I, when I got into NFTs, uh, when I realized I could be turning these comics into NFTs. Um, and, uh, the first one that I did with that was this, uh, was my, my very first NFT it was called the Bankless Nation. And it was kind of this large illustration of, uh, everything that's kind of going on in crypto. Um, there's like a Bitcoin citadel in one corner and then an Ethereum castle somewhere else. And just kind of this big map of what, what's happening in crypto, um, my interpretation of it. Uh, yeah. And then that just was very successful. Um, it was, uh, especially within bankless Dow. Um, and, uh, it just sort of gave me this, yeah, this supercharged confidence and excitement about NFTs and what, what could happen, uh, what's possible. Um, like I'm, you know, a new artist to the space. Uh, I didn't really have like a very big Twitter following. I still don't really like I'm <laughs> building it. Um, but I could be funded and I could like have this direct relationship with, with people, with collectors. Um, And I, yeah, I just kind of explored that and looked around and seeing other artists who were kind of doing a similar thing, um, eventually realized that like starting a discord is is probably a a good thing to do. It allows you to have more direct communication with people, with uh, with collectors who want to talk to you and, uh, find out more about, I mean, it's, it's like they're, they're investing in the art and they're also investing in me as a person, I think, to some extent, and they just, they want to, um, and they want to have that connection. They want to, like, uh, get get close to you. A lot of them do anyways. Um, and it's just really, yeah, it's really cool um, how NFTs have directly enabled that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's both the artwork is very interesting and, and the development is very interesting. As a quick aside, um, so definitely relate to the international teaching Uh, my wife um, is from our area in the northeastern part of the U.S. but she actually she taught in China for two years before we met and um, you know some of the best stories that she has from her early 20s were like you know how she would have a, a long weekend and like her and one of her friends would go to Thailand for the weekend and go to some amazing resort and you know stay there for fifty u s dollars and you know and and have the time of their lives and I like that's 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 awesome i I love that as a as a as a background
1: yeah yeah that's great yeah um yeah to me it felt like a little bit of a cheat code like <laughs> Actually be- before the teaching uh I was working as an accountant in a bank in a like in a it's kind of funny how <laughs> where I am now um go f- from that but it was sort of a very typical sea of cubicles type 9 to 5 job and I was just miserable there for a year um and so yeah for me international teaching was was an escape from from the traditional corporate world uh And, and yes, I think that's always sort of been a call to me. And that's also kind of why I'm drawn into what, what I am now uh, doing now, because similar, like, (laughs) yeah, I just don't want to, don't want to work in a cubicle if I can avoid it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there is, and I think you're touching on like a broader theme within, I'm going to say the crypto space in general is like, people that are looking at, let's call it traditional finance or traditional organizations or traditional um, work norms and saying, this sucks, you know, like this is, this is not, it's not conducive to, you know, making an enjoyable life or an interesting life. Uh, I would say for a lot of people, it's not uh, it's not conducive to, you know, even things as simple as like being able to, to build wealth or, you know, and, and I don't mean wealth in the extravagant sense. I mean, wealth in the sense of like, you know, modern, a lot, a lot of, a lot of modern businesses and organizations aren't conducive to improving your general, you know, economic standing. You know, there's, there's a lot of situations where you, you go to the cube farm And, you know, you put together financial models or you actualize financial statements and you grind through that and you do it for 20 years and you say, well, what have I, what have I done? What have I accomplished? And I think we're in a place in, in the NFT space, in decentralized finance, where people are saying there's, there's gotta be something better.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with everything that you just said. Yeah. It's, it's um you you see it all over the place now. I think especially in, the, in these last couple of years sort of with the GameStop saga and and with this surge of um I don't know if you followed the the anti-work movement like on Reddit um just yeah, people are just sick of 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 not working because I think people really love to work and they want to work when they're excited about when they have ownership over the thing that they're doing and they're like i'm i'm a meaningful contributor here i'm my work is valued and i i own part of it i own a part of this thing i'm building and that's just not the case in 99% of traditional jobs you own nothing you just come in and um yeah work for the man
0: <laughs> it's something about having that, that ownership in what you create and achieving flow to use a, you know, a term that's probably overused, but you know, there's a reason it's a bit of a cliche because there's a lot of truth to it. You know, people want to, to do things where they can lose themselves in their tasks because it's enjoyable. And then just like you said, at the end of the day, they want to have something and say, I, I did this, I made this, I was part of this in a genuinely meaningful way.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's definitely, um, a huge thing that I'm seeing, uh, happening in, in DAOs and in NFTs. Uh, like I was just, uh, yeah, the bankless DAO season six kickoff was, was today. And just listening to people talk like, you know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now in crypto but everyone's just really excited to be like still building things and still you know even though it's it's hard <laughs> uh there's yeah there's a deep satisfaction from um doing work that you that you choose to do on your terms uh that is that you just yeah you can't can't um replace that with 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 something else.
0: Agreed. So get back closer to, to the work that you're doing. Explain to me what a chippy is. Sure.
1: Yeah. So a chippy uh, is a character uh, from my comics and from uh, the the NFTs that I create, the, the bankless locations. Um, and it's kind of a, this white blob uh, with... Yeah, black and white with, with eyes and a mouth. Very, very simple, very minimalistic, uh, style. Um, and it's actually a character, uh, like I'd, I'd drawn from years ago, just like, uh, I would, I would doodle, I would make comics in, in kind of a notebook that I was keeping and, um, not showing to anybody. I've, I've shared a few of them instead of the, some of my old comics that I've uncovered in the Chippy Discord just with, with, with people. Um, but, um, yeah, just like, um, just, just a character that exists in this, uh, in this world that I've, uh, that I'm in the process of creating. Um, and so, yeah, they exist inside of this, the, this bankless world, um, where everything is crypto. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's where they, they, um, go on adventures. They have things happen to them and, you know just drawing from things that are mostly from from things that are happening in 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 crypto in in the news and kind of interpreting it and putting it into this sometimes it's like a mi- medieval aesthetic sometimes I have like castles and, and things like that, but sometimes it's like I don't know there's a wide range of of things that i that I draw on when i when I put them in but um so anyway, yeah that's that's what a chippy is and it's uh it's the p f p Project that I uh, that I've created, um, where I'm creating 500 of these uh, one of one chippies, um, and I, I think I'm currently at about three three fifty out of 500 of that, uh, and so um, in in my NFT project, if you own one of these chippies, uh, you Your chippy will appear somewhere in one of these larger creations, one of the, one of the locations. So my latest one was Goblin Town. I think I put about 80 to 90, uh, people's individual chippies just somewhere inside of that illustration. So it sort of turns into a little bit of a Where's Waldo type situation as well, where you'll have your chippy and you'll be hunting for it and searching for it. And maybe you'll recognize other people's chippy as well. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's. That's sort of uh, what Shippy is in an, in a nutshell.
0: When I saw Goblin Town, where, Where's Waldo is the first thing that I thought of. I thought, "Oh, this is so cool!" I, like you know, again, I, I it, like for me, it was it was an instant nostalgic trip to being a kid. In the library in the small rural school that I grew up in, and you know, going to having a library period, you know, a couple times a week, and going in like the only thing I wanted to do was go and look through the Where's Waldo books and like find all the little characters that are doing different things and they're going on adventures, and that like that was it. And, and it's funny, um, so. I think I dropped it in a conversation, a DM that, that Bean Toven and Bean Talk and I were all in. And I think Bean Toven, that was the first thing that he said to us like, oh, it's like where's Waldo. And, um, the other thing I want to, want to quickly go back and touch on about the chippies themselves. And it's something you mentioned is that like they're, you know, they're very, they're simply drawn and there's something I've really enjoyed about that too, in the sense that it, it, very much seems like a, um, kind of a blank canvas on which you can lay characteristics very easily. And it like, it seems like it's, it's very conducive to doing that because you're starting with something that's, that's very straightforward and you can build from there pretty easily. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. a yeah, absolutely. It's a blank canvas. Uh, and then the challenging part is just, yeah, how to make it, how to make them all unique, right. Like how to, what what things you're going to add i love that you brought up well, where's waldo um i'm a child of the 90s uh and you know that's a huge part of my nostalgia as well as uh, uh I, I can't count the hours that i i spent like studying where's waldo and there were other books as well that were kind of in a similar vein i think probably trying to copy the where's waldo books a bit but uh that were also quite good um yeah yeah so <laughs> happy for that comparison.
0: It's a very gratifying process. You know, like, I mean, when I think about when I think about, like, traditional art, you know, let's say, you know, if you look at a Monet, you can appreciate craftsmanship and you can you can find, you know, detail and determine style and approach. But there's something about that, like, instant gratification of looking at you know something in that like that that hunt and find style where like you know every corner you look at there's like something new to discover and you don't have to you don't have to be a student of art history to appreciate you can just like you can just like dive in yeah it.
1: that's a that's a really good way of putting it I think um it's very yeah, I mean obviously that's why why children love it. Like uh, I we've got lots of chippy um inside of the discord who've who've gotten chippy for their children because they enjoy like looking at the pictures with their with their kids. And one one of the one of our members talks about how it's great for him to share these pieces with his kids because it's a way for him to like explain to his kids what he does uh in crypto, like what crypto is about and just uh kind of share that because you know it can be hard t- talking to a 5-year-old i imagine about smart contracts um <laughs> keeping their interest
0: yeah no, that's 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 very fair so to pivot the conversation just a little bit obviously we're in some pretty i hate to say unprecedented times cuz again i feel like that's very cliche <laughs> um you know especially right now we're we're in We're in a bear market from a macro standpoint. We are navigating the FTX scenario, or the FTX situation, the FTX debacle. Um, How do you see the NFT space evolving in reaction to what is going on in general and, and maybe even some of the more specific circumstances that we're, we're navigating right now.
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think that this this FTX debacle Ponzi scheme um, is really took a lot almost everyone by complete surprise. Uh, it was you know, we talk about decentralization a lot in crypto and the importance of that. But then there's always sort of been a like, you know, oh, but Coinbase is fine, but, but FTX is fine. Like these are big exchanges. Like they make their money off trading fees. Like there's little risk. Like you probably, you should put it in a ledger, but you know, like if you have to keep it on the exchange, like it's, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. And now like, I don't know, like after, after this week, uh, people will really have to reevaluate, um, a lot of these things. And I think in the coming, coming weeks and months, um, I think there's going to be probably more, more pain to come, uh, as all of this sort of gets unwound. I'm not like, I I listen to lots of crypto podcasts. I I don't, I don't really get too deep into like, I'm basically like kind of just regurgitate things that I hear. So I don't really, um, know what like all the the implications are going to be, but I guess my, my, my instincts here tell me, um, lots of these NFT projects will probably, uh, go bankrupt and close shop. Uh, and, uh, my sister just messaged me before we got on this podcast, uh, how the Yuga labs was keeping their, a lot of their treasury on FTX, uh, Um, and, but got it off in time, I guess. Um, but I, I, they're they're probably projects that are exposed, uh, and, and now, and now what? (laughs) Um, and I guess that's something we knew from the beginning going in to NFTs. Um, we still don't know what NFTs are really. And there's sort of like. It's sort of like the ICO thing uh, all over again, where, you know, all of the, they they almost became like startups and you're investing in these companies. But then there's also like, some are just artists and some are just like artists making art and like, here, I'm selling you my art directly. Uh, And it's not about being a brand or a company beyond just like that artist selling their artwork to to people. Um, So I think there's a lot of things to like separate there. Um, and f- for someone like me, like, um, I'm fine. Uh, you know, my portfolio hurts because I'm a crypto believer and <laughs> it, like, we're all like suffering in that sense. But as far as my, my NFT project itself, like, um, you know, I'm not building a metaverse. Uh, I don't have like em- employees, like My sister helps me out for free. (laughs) Uh, I give her some NFTs and, and, uh, (laughs) and lots of uh, gratitude. Um, And yeah, so I guess like it, it really, you know, for me, I'm lucky that it's, I'm a small, you know, this is like a small business. This is like a very, like, this is just me selling my heart to people. Um, And I think, it'll be tougher to sell NFTs uh, in the next year. Tougher for me, probably tougher for everybody. Um, but you know, I think we'll I'll stick around like, uh, and I think lots of people will. And then the ones that were just had grown, grown large and like, it's, it's fine to grow large and it's great to have these ideas and these ambitions. But unfortunately I think, um, in this unprecedented time, uh, it's going to, a, a lot will probably have to fold, uh, sadly. Like that's, yeah.
0: Well, and that, that unprecedentedness, that, that's a, a sword that cuts both ways. You know, it's, uh, it, there, we, we have seen unprecedented growth and I think we are, you know, in the midst of, and we'll probably continue to see, probably some unprecedented failure and, you know, FTX being a really good example. I, uh, I, I saw um, earlier on today that BlockFi has, um, you know, halted withdrawals, at least temporarily. Um, to me, that's not, that's not a real encouraging sign you know, I would, I would put them in, in that same basket of, um, you know, crypto organizations that had grown like, large and stable enough to where we thought, oh, it's just, it's, it's BlockFi, you know, I mean, uh, I know probably half the people that I know that, you know, that I know anything about their crypto exposure, you know, probably either done something on or used BlockFi and it's just, you know, it's, it's just another platform. And so when you hear about these large players really, um, surprising people with the, you know, types of exposure and, and what contagion will look like. It's, it's definitely, uh, an unsettling feeling.
1: Yeah. The year that I was an accountant, uh, at, at um, a large U S bank, uh, was also, it, it was in 2008, uh, when I was working there. Uh, <laughs> and that was, um, that was quite a year. And this, this feels sort of like that. Like this feels like in has parallels of that where, you know, everything seemed fine, but then the contagion spreads and, and like the dominoes, like, um, start to fall and, and you find out like, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, BlockFi was exposed, uh, to Alameda. And, uh, and so, it spreads and maybe they were doing everything else. Fine. Let's say, I don't know if they were, but, but if they're exposed to that thing, who, who seemed very legitimate and trustworthy from, from the outside, you know, point of view, maybe like they should have had people, you know, really like digging into the financial statements more. Or, I don't know. It's just, it's really, um,
0: yeah. And I mean, you hit on a really important point. You know, like so much of this contagion, again to use another now cliche term, will affect organizations that were not doing anything wrong. You know, and like uh, you know, so BlockFi stops withdrawals. That doesn't necessarily mean that BlockFi was running a giant Ponzi scheme. You know, I, I and I don't want to speculate you know, down that path, you know, it's, it's just a matter of exposure. They could have been doing as much due diligence as possible and trying to do everything right. And the exposure is unavoidable. And, and, and I think that's unfortunately the vast majority of individuals that are affected by these failures fall into that exact basket. It's like, hey, I was making the best choices I could with the information I had at the time and this thing came out of left field and now what do I do?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's really hard and it's, it's going to hurt so many retail people, average people who are just got like onboarded into crypto and lots of veterans too. Like uh, everybody, like there's, you know, um, and it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna set things back. It's gonna, it's gonna be, uh, you know, it's gonna be something we, the industry learns from, uh, I hope and, and does better the next time. And, um, and yeah, I guess like we, <laughs> Not, not we, but people in the in the crypto industry replicated like lots of the problems of traditional centralized finance, and we just a lot. And then the majority of of the crypto world kind of just accepted that and was okay with it because everything was going up and everything was fine. But now. Now is a chance for us to reevaluate those those ideas and approach this thing from a, a more pure standpoint, from a more decentralized, truly decentralized place. I hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So, so I want to want to pivot away from um, the the current happenings because it's a little depressing um i want to i want to pivot back to to nfts and in the, the work that you're working on so you know you so you're talking about chippies being uh you know a pfp project and mm-hmm. the the ongoing um larger uh the scenes that you're you're creating and first i want to want to see if you know if what's, what's coming down the pike? I mean, is there a particular, is there, is there a new setting or scene that you're working on or, or conceptualizing now? Uh,
1: yes, there is. Um, yeah. So I'm, uh, I am making all of these, uh, bankless locations of which Goblin Town, um, was the most recent, uh, Goblin Town was the, the sixth, One. so i'm working on number seven now um i'm sort of in my kind of rest in phase right after goblin town i'm taking like a couple weeks to kind of uh gather my my thoughts and i'll I'll start sketching out the next one uh which i did announce i I said was going to be um hodler beach uh and i'm pretty sure this week has made me think oh like there's there's a lot going on maybe i need to uh Incorporate. I, I will incorporate the events uh, that have happened this week as well. But um, yeah, so the the next location I'm I'm going to be working on is, is called Hodler Beach, uh, which um, yeah, we'll have uh, Chippy doing beach stuff uh, and probably tie in a lot of uh, yeah whatever is relevant in in crypto news, but with a sort of a theme of the The people, the chippy who are chilling on Hodler Beach are are the you know they're the hodlers. They're not trading. They're not you know getting wrapped up so much in like the uh, the day to day stuff. So a lot of them are just uh, they're just there. They're they're waiting to you know check on their crypto crypto twenty years from now. Um, so they're not as as frantic as as we all are this week, like checking the news every day. Um, <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah, so yeah, con- mm-hmm. Const- constantly flipping through Twitter. So I gotta, I gotta know what, what I gotta do to get a, uh, a Beethoven beach concert <laughs> into that. I, I, I don't know how, how many PFPs we need Ooh. to buy, but we will, we will, <laughs> we will <laughs> we figure out a way to make that happen. Um,
1: yeah, uh, that, so I, part of chippy, I guess I didn't mention this before. Um, I take commissions, uh, for chippy. So about half of the chippy I create are just sort of, um, from my imagination and I I put those out there, but the other half, uh, are, are people commissioning, approaching me for commissions. Uh, and I tailor a chippy to their, you know, their ideas. Um, and so I'd be more than happy uh, to, to take uh, new. And so that's how we could have um, a, a Bean Tobin concert. Uh, no promises on what exactly they'll be doing, but I'll, I'll definitely take, take your, uh, the concert into, I, I try to put Chippy towards whatever kind of vibe they're giving out. So if we've got like a composer or a musician type Chippy, then I, I want to sort of fit them into a, a, a musical sort of uh, situation.
0: Um, we're we'll we'll make that happen. I'll is- uh, I'll we'll we'll cover the we'll cover the commission for that, and and so we'll have to figure out a way to get Bean Bean Talk worked in there too. And yeah, we'll 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 have to chat about how to make that happen. The other thing that with the um, so with the continued evolution of of the locations project, have you ever considered like? I feel like a lot of NFT projects are um, tying like real world objects or like other components. And I feel like that has been one of the real like kind of hot use cases for NFTs. Like, you know, if you you buy an NFT, a, I'm going to just use an example, a pair of sneakers, you know, the NFT, you get the NFT and then you can like get a pair of sneakers you go along with it. Like, have you ever considered like physical objects like... If I buy a chippy PFP, like, can I get a little stuffed chippy or something to go along with that? Or is it something you've ever thought through? Uh
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually come up quite a quite a bit. Uh, there is definitely some um, uh, chippy who want that to happen very badly, and I have been uh, very very slow in responding to the uh, the demand for for physical physical items um but uh i think i'm far enough along now that i could i could say uh w- there will be some physical physical items uh on the way um so one thing i've wanted to do from the beginning is get some prints uh so i'm going to have prints available uh hopefully pretty soon of, of the locations um got a chippy mug uh design that i'm working on um Actually a long, quite a long time ago, my very first piece, uh, was turned into a puzzle, uh, a physical puzzle. Oh, um, that's see, so I cool. might, don't have it in the room here with me, oh. but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was, so that was through Bankless Dow and Metafactory. Uh, we dropped like a limited edition. I think there was only like, you know, 90 copies made or something like that. But, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. I, I so I definitely am interested in in the physical side. But, uh, I was, I was sort of, yeah, I, I, I've had some roadblocks along the way. Um, and, and now, uh, most, mostly me just like dragging my feet and like, you know, I, it's, it's a world that I'm not used to navigating. Like, I don't like, um, I'm having to like reach out to people who have done this, uh, a lot more and, like, especially the physical side, like how to, what's the best way. It's not just about like, you know, exporting your, you're drawing and slapping it onto uh, a shirt. You have to, there's like all these things you got to like figure out about it. And that's, that's a bit of a, a learning, learning experience for me.
0: Yeah. I feel like it adds a new dimension of complexity going into the physical, physical world. And, and especially if it's an item that would require like some type of larger scale manufacturing to make happen. I mean, puzzles are a pretty good example in the sense that in a certain way, they're, they're probably relatively straightforward, but you can't like sit at your house and make them yourself.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's very fair. Well, that's, that's really cool. That's, I, I feel like, um, that is, yeah, just a unique dimension. And you're talking about like how we don't really know what NFTs are yet. I feel like there are um, so many potential future use cases that involve having a token that is more than just one thing. I mean, at Beanstalk, we've talked about, you know, having tokens that represent things like locked liquidity and, and, or, you know, actually I'm Theoretically, you know, we've got the fertilizer project for the the, the barn raise is itself an, an NFT project. We have NFTs for folks that, that contributed to recapitalization. And, and like there are all these like multi-dimensional use cases that, that seem pretty exciting, you know, kind of out there on the horizon.
1: Yeah, it, that is exciting. It's um Yeah, there's so many different directions, so many different uses. And I think what we will probably see in the coming years is just more, um, well, a couple things. I think we'll see like a a flourishing of ideas and use cases for NFTs that people hadn't really thought of yet. Um, And then more distinction Like now, we just call everything that we call it all NFTs, but there will be lots of more distinct things. Like, this one is a PFP, like artwork NFT. This one, like, generates yield, uh, you know, and it's a claim on these assets over here. And like, there can be so many. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have to develop like uh, language to describe like all of these different capabilities, uh, which is, yeah, going to be exciting.
0: And um, well, I can I can even see, you know, maybe out in the future where the term NFT itself becomes, you know, I'm going to say like, you know, dated or you know, archaic. Like, you know, and it, what it, the reason I, I say that is, um, and I'm grasping at straws a little bit, but I know that Reddit just did they just had their their nft project that they they didn't use the term nft for and i mean you were buying an nft but they uh, you you probably know the details better than i do um yeah really a really clever way to approach nfts where you weren't using that language and so didn't have the same um didn't have the same hesitancy or um other you know ideas that might not be considered and are real desirable right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, I think what Reddit did was really smart. I think they had an amazingly successful rollout of, of their NFTs, uh, their, excuse me, their digital collectibles. Uh, and I think thank yeah, you. that's yep. what they did there is I think the beginning of what we will see, what we'll eventually see with more clarity of language, like Calling it a d- digital collectible is actually more descriptive. A lot more descriptive. Like NFT means nothing to yeah. the majority of people, yeah. but you say a digital collectible, even even to the people who know what NFT stands for, it doesn't really mean that much because there's it's so broad. It's just so you know. Um, but to call it a digital collectible is really smart because that's that is what this is. This is a digital thing that you can collect and you can own. And then there you go. You understand it all inside of that like little description.
0: Completely agree yeah. You know, so it makes me think of uh, the whenever I would talk to folks about NFTs, um, that that were you know, skeptical or whatever. The the analogy that I almost always use are things like concert tickets. You know, so at some point in the future, you're you know, you, you buy a concert ticket and that, that concert ticket is an NFT and that NFT gives you not only physical access to the concert itself, but it also entitles you to a recording of the concert or you bought a special edition that gives you the ability to meet the artist or, you know, give, you know, gives you the ability to claim a poster or whatever. And, you know, in in that future world, you just bought a concert ticket like it's not you you don't use the term nft any more than reddit did with their digital collectibles it's it's a digital collectible it's a concert ticket it just happens to use blockchain as its platform it is a token that has certain characteristics you know that are associated with it and it like the 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 term becomes archaic
1: yeah T- totally. And you're really touching on something that, that's very exciting uh, to me there, like the, the way you're talking about this ticket, that's an NFT, and then it unlocks all of these other possibilities. Like, um, And I think what we will see, what I hope to see, and I think we are seeing in some cases, are artists and creators of all kinds uh, becoming really creative in how they use this technology to the, the fullest extent. And just one of the, one of the concepts I, I heard of is something called like a, a factory NFT where you own this and it entitles you to like um, the, the NFT will is, is sort of like a productive asset where whatever, like the, the artist will keep creating things. And anyone who owns this, like this factory NFT gets like the first choice. Like maybe they can mint something from them for free or at a, at a discount or uh, it unlocks just all of these different things. Like you were talking about, maybe it's a backstage pass with, with someone, uh, you know, yeah. Like this ticket, like it just, the relationships now can be so like composable. It's just like, you know, writing like a smart contract or something. You can, you can write that artists will be able to write the terms of what this NFT means in very detailed ways that is just like, like it's mind blowing to think about, like we're not, e- we're not even at the tip of the iceberg here with what people are going to eventually uh, figure out how to use them. Like, Oh yeah. Like this. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know you. I mean, you're, that's, that's a great point that I have never thought about. And now like, it do like what it, I mean, the, that concept, it, it strikes me as like in, in just, you know, sitting here talking and thinking out loud, it makes me think of like essentially like a, a digital coupon and just for that, that single use case that you mentioned in, in to, to come back, you know, I like I have a, I have a close personal friend that's an artist and he, he makes comics and, you know, I, I later on when we're, when we're done talking here, I'm going to shoot him a text and be like, Hey, you know what you could do with an NFT? You could, you could set up a smart contract that people that held these NFTs would get a 20% discount on every, you know, every piece of artwork that you put out like that. And, and that isn't even tokenizing the artwork. It's tokenizing the function.
1: Absolutely. Does your, does your friend, uh, turn these comics into NFTs?
0: So he is in the process of trying to figure that out. And I I keep saying to him, man, like, you got to do this. And uh, he, uh, he's, he's a, uh, he's an artist and a colorist. And like right now he works in traditional comic books, print comic books. And he's like looking to make that step. And I know that like, he's, he's still trying to figure out the digital component. You know, it's, it's so different from traditional comic book publishing that I think he's still got some apprehension, but like. So close to being ready to make that jump and i'm I'm excited to watch as he does that that's
1: really cool that's exciting yeah yeah um i I've been talking to a few of my more creative friends um and trying to uh you know encourage them to to check it out uh and I think like there's no better time uh like we're we're gonna be in this bear for a while. this is the perfect time to just like play, like get in here and just start creating things. And, um, that's, that's what this thing is for. Like, I never thought like when I was first getting into crypto, you know, years ago, like that, this would be such an unlock for artists, for creators, like that, that, you know, like crypto for creators. It's, it's, I just didn't put those two together and it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a good time for, for people making art, I think.
0: So true. So as kind of a last, uh, last item, we're, we're close to the hour, but I, want to, want to pivot to Beanstalk real quick. And, you know, obviously part of the, the, uh, the thing that drew me to Goblin Town was, was the Beanstalk reference. And I didn't bring you on here expecting you to be an expert in, in our project, but I guess I will say, or I will ask, um, you know, what, what led you to to give beanstalk the give put the barn in the silo in uh, in goblin town
1: uh yeah, so actually funnily, like I drew the barn before I knew it was going to be beanstalk. I just drew a barn there, I'm like, oh, this looks like a barn belongs here because I think I, I was also going to have like the yield farmers like I already knew I was going to have them over there um, uh yeah to be to be honest, uh, I discovered beanstalk through, um, through my research of Goblin Town. And I was looking at people that got hacked and people that like got, got hurt. And, and so that, Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> and you know, like, and it says nothing at all about like the, like good or bad about like this happens, like we're in crypto, this is, this is wild. Um, so I have lots of, uh, projects that i totally respect and think are wonderful that are in goblin town and it's like yeah it's the ones that got more presence i guess were ones that had problems like that would lead to because that's what goblin town is about it's about like these these problems and um yeah so that's how i uh that's how i discovered it
0: and you know uh, it's funny um as we have navigated the exploit, I, and I'm using the royal we for, you know, the beanstalk community, um, you know, the DAO or, or however you want to envision that, um, obviously the exploit was was awful. And, you know, I, I would say that you're, you're talking to three folks that you know, probably, you know, have I've lost some funds through that exploit and are are hoping to, you know, see the the protocol bounce back. Um, but at the same time, um, Mm -hmm. the amount of recognition and, um, the opportunity to talk with people about what the project is and what it does and how it works. And, you know, be able to explain the difference between, you know, a rug versus a hack versus a governance exploit, and you know, go through the the barn raise and the recapitalization effort and and all those things. Um, it's given us exposure that that you know I hate to say money can't buy, but it's been a really unique experience for our group that. Probably wouldn't have happened the same. I'm sure wouldn't happen the same way. Might not have happened nearly as quickly if that exploit hadn't happened. So it's it's been an interesting turn of events.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. Like we we've all like if you've been in crypto for long enough, like something you're going to be exposed to something. Uh, It's just like a matter of time. Um, And and bouncing back, being able to recover. That's that's the key. That's, um, we, we kind of like, I think the mentality in crypto, I think people who are really passionate and into crypto sometimes like think we're 10 or 20 years further along than we actually are. And that like, we're in this place where smart contracts are perfect. And like, this is all going to, you know, there's like, we're, we're done with, with, with hacks and with exploits and, and things like that. But it's, it's still very real. And we have people are such a huge factor in all of this. Um, and it's like trustless as we want to make things, uh, you know, we still need those, those, those people that are building it and we need to trust (laughs) them a lot, like in lots of cases. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, um, I I'm, I'm really, glad to, to hear that, like the community seems to be like recovering and, and, you know, I've been since, since I've like followed, started following Beanstalk now. And like, I I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like observing it now. And I, I, you know, I wish all the best, like it's, um, it, it ha- It's something that everyone's vulnerable to as you so know.
0: a great learning opportunity. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think our, uh, I think our group of you know core DAO members and contributors would say you know better to have it happen now than than a couple of years down the road when we're significantly larger. And if you're going to learn a hard lesson, you want to learn it early.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the first DAO, like uh, like the DAO, all of Ethereum. To, to, yeah, the DAO caused you know uh, Ethereum to fork. Uh, so like. that's insane you know (laughs) but but the community bounced back like the ethereum community is like you know stronger than it's ever been so um yeah like you said that's the time to learn those lessons as early as possible i i lost uh my first hot wallet my first web wallet like um i just deleted it and uh thought that i you know (laughs) lost everything wasn't much it was a few nfts it was like a little bit of a little bit of eth and uh and yeah i just accidentally deleted it and it was painful but i'm so glad that i learned that lesson the hard way because now i am doing everything i can still there's still risk there's still like you know, vulnerabilities, but I'm doing everything I can now to to not make the same mistakes. (laughs) Yep,
0: That's all you can do. Well, Parchi, this was great. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Thank you, um, for hopping on the podcast and, and telling us about what, what you're working on and, um, good luck as the, the projects continue to roll out.
1: Thanks Rex. Thanks so much. Yeah. This has been just a absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, yeah, I'm. You know, this, this is this is really fun.
0: You can find Perchy on Twitter at Perchy.eth. That's P-E-R-C-H-Y.eth. You can also find his project on Twitter at Chippy N F T. That's C-H-I-P-P-I-N-F-T. And you can find him on the web at Linktree slash ChippyNFT. That's L-I-N-K-T-R.dot.ee slash chippy nft the bean pod is a production of beanstalk farms a decentralized autonomous organization you can find us on twitter instagram medium discord and our home on the web at bean.money you can also find me on twitter at RexTheBean. the bean and as a final reminder this podcast is not financial advice thanks again for listening